It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Last week on Tuesday, I attended Metapack's The Delivery Conference in London. It was a fascinating day listening to some of the UK's and the world's biggest retailers explaining what they're up to and how they got to where they are, including ASOS, A-S-O-S, um, Marks and & Spencers and House of Fraser. The conference was focused mainly on the enterprise level e-commerce retailer, but there were a few great takeaways for the smaller online retailer, plus lots of interesting nuggets. So I thought instead of an interview this week, I should be bringing you my thoughts from the conference. So apologies for um, the sound not being quite as good as it normally is, but um, my editor couldn't turn it around in the about 24 hour time scale I needed him to do it in. So um, so this one's been edited by me. So I'm using not my usual microphone, etc. So apologies if, if I sound a little more scratchy than normal. Um, we did these takeaways a couple of times last year. And I know that uh, you guys really liked these episodes, but there was a couple of complaints, namely that you couldn't get hold of a transcript of the show. That's everything I say in written form. Well, I listened to that and this time there's a transcript available for you together with some extra images, some of the slides that people were using and um, some of the the bits and pieces I picked up from around the conference. So if you want to get that, just head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 36. So last week was the first time I'd been to the delivery conference. It's always been on the list, but after several of our experts recommended it this year, I thought I should finally make the effort to actually get up to London in February and attend. For those of you who've never been or who haven't heard of it before, I'm going to explain a little bit more about it. Once I've done that, I'll run through um, or the, the sub, you know, the content of this podcast is going to be the following, which is my overall thoughts about the conference, the key delivery lessons learned, strangely enough, it being the delivery conference, other non-delivery lessons, so there's an awful lot being shared about the customer and customer experience. Uh, we'll then take a look at the Christmas 2015 feedback, including Black Friday. There's quite a lot of that being discussed, so I've split that out from the main delivery piece. Um, and then I'll summarise everything into, well, I'll summarise each section as we go, and then I'll do a final summary um, all around how what you need to do as the smaller retailer for delivery success into 2016. The delivery conference is powered by Metapack. Uh, Metapack uh, are providers of software for e- large e-commerce businesses to manage their delivery and their orders. So it helps cust- work out which customer is entitled to which method and then direct it all to the correct couriers with all the right paperwork and all the rest of it. It's quite a complex piece of software. Actually, it's a piece of software that makes the complex work much more fluidly. So strangely enough, they organised every conference that have been for many years. Um, I think something like eight. It's a one-day conference in central London and it's focused on delivery, although there was a fair chunk of e-commerce service, customer service and general e-commerce stuff as well. 
This year they had 1,300 attendees, that's 1,300, mainly big players and delivery side people, which I think makes it the biggest paid ticket e-commerce event in the UK. Um, There's internet retailing conference last autumn was 1,000 attendees. Anyone who knows better on that front, please do let me know. There were two exhibition areas and all the major couriers were represented in those Um, and it's very much focused on enterprise level as I said. So for example I spent coffee time chatting to Backer who are a company, global business, I think they sell more bulbs than anyone else, that's plant bulbs. Um, And lunch I spent chatting with a lovely lady from East which is uh, the women's clothing retailer on the high street in the UK and um, A really interesting guy from RS Components, who um, are a huge online player who you probably haven't heard of due to the products they sell. And it has the ticket price to match that enterprise level audience, somewhere north of £500, I think it was. But they've taken the pricing down, strangely enough, because the conference has already happened. So I can't be clear on that one. Um, For the majority of my listeners, this isn't a conference you should be planning on attending. Not because the content isn't awesome, but because for your time out of the office, there are other events much, much, much more suited to your needs where you'll get more. Um, And besides, I went and I'm doing this. So you're going to get the key bits out of this just listening to what I'm guessing to be pushing a 45 minute podcast today. But I make no apologies for its length. Um, The content was split into two streams, which covered four topic areas. So streams being you could choose between this or that, and they covered four topic areas within those two streams. In the morning, I focused on the customer experience stream. Surprise, surprise. And there's lots from that in uh, in this today. Um, There were also some sessions which were which everybody was together. So I went along to all of those, too, for the keynotes. Um, In the afternoon, I tried to get into the transformation of delivery uh, stream uh, topic, but um, it was standing room only, so I gave up halfway through this through the first speaker because, well, I couldn't make notes because I was standing up, um, and it had been a pretty long day already, um, and also because I you know, I got my timing totally wrong because the morning overran and all the rest of it, which is kind of ironic for a delivery conference where everyone's saying about how you need to to deliver on what you promise. But there we go. Um, but because I missed the transformation of delivery session. Um, I've got some bonus content for you, which is I use that time to visit all the couriers in the two different exhibition areas and find out two key things from each of them, which was how many orders you need to be sending before you before there's any point in talking to them, which saves both you, my listeners, my e-commerce people and them some time. And secondly, what key services they're offering at the moment. It was a bit of a quick fire chat with people. So um, if... Uh, if any of those guys are listening and you think I've got anything wrong, please do let me know because I would I want the the information to be accurate. So I'm happy to change it. That's available as a blog post on the website right now. And you'll find a link to that in the show notes for this episode, which is at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 36. Speakers I listened to during the day included on the courier side, Hermes, Royal Mail, Yodel, and on the retailer side, side even, uh, Marks and Spencers, as seen on screen, not as seen on screen, wow, blast from the past there, ASOS even, um, House of Fraser, John Lewis, New Look, River Island, Boohoo, Wiggle, Asda, and a very interesting session from Forrester Research. So as you can tell from that lineup, it was very much enterprise level chat. 
As per usual, um, I've looked through all my notes, conversations, observations, piles of paper that you pick up at these things and distilled it all into takeaways for the smaller e-commerce retailer. As I mentioned earlier, I think this one's going to be quite long because there's just so much great information I want to get across to you. Um, But this really isn't a simple conference review. I think um, I've actually spent more time editing and prepping this information for you than I spent at the conference and I was there for the best part of 11 hours. Um, So this really is a distillation of the key themes and takeaways for you so as you get the ideas, reassurance and insights that are going to help you with your business over the coming year. Given our theme here at e-commerce master plan in 2016 of the customer I've made sure I haven't just cut out anything that didn't relate to delivery. I've put in an awful lot of what's to do with customer service in these takeaways, Um, not least because it was a massive theme running through the conference. So my overall thoughts about the delivery conference in 2016. Well, whilst the exhibitors were entirely delivery focused, a lot of the content was not. It was more about customer experience and seeing behind the scenes at big retailers and the courier firms. That was, of course, really interesting. And there's plenty of that to come today in this episode. But I would have liked to have seen some more specific how to succeed at delivery based content, how to set up your warehouse for success, parcel packaging developments, technical developments, customer focus developments. There wasn't a lot of that kind of practical advice. What was covered during the conference was really continuing the theme from the internet retailing conference I went to back into the autumn. How the big boys are dealing with the same issues we all are and how actually it's, it's a lot harder for them to focus on the customer than it is for us because they're just so big um, and it really does give them quite a unique and, uh, and big set of challenges. So customer focus is clearly still where, where it's at if you want to succeed and I'll be covering the different approaches people are taking to that a little later on. Um, Every single one of the retail side speakers laboured the point that customer focus is where it's at if you want to succeed. So there's lots of gems coming up. Due to the content structure, there was hardly any um, awesome, I can do that moments for quick wins. Um, But there was an awful lot of fascinating insights and trends info that's going to help you, which is why I'm making sure that each of these little sections are going to be summing up what I think you should take from it. Um, I found the exhibitor mix was was really interesting um, in terms of the types of sectors that were represented. So all the key couriers for next day delivery had a stand. Um, the Royal Mail was there as well. So, of course, they're the, the kind of the, the, the standard delivery choice method. Um, we also had a large number of two-man services, loads of people offering that two-man service, which seems to be talking about, you know, giving them the opportunity to explain their services and what they wanted to talk to me about. There seems to be an awful lot of competition in that zone in terms of the customer service element. You know, they've got their, well, we'll deliver the mattress, then we'll recycle it afterwards. We'll deliver to any room in the house. You can have our premium option where we'll, um, from what I could work out, pretty much hoover around the object before, during and after, make you a cup of tea and um, change the colour of the of the sofa, I think. It seemed to be the sky's the limit, rather. So there's a... If you're if you're looking at two man services, wow, there's a lot of development going on there in that in that space. Um, there was also a lot of exhibitors around kind of the locker solutions area. I'll talk about that more later, but it was quite impressive how they're all taking very different approaches to the customer service element and the retailer service element of that. Um, and there was also a lot of Irish there. Um, a lot of companies there to help you deliver it into Ireland. Um, both 
in order to you know deliver straight into Ireland and to have the increasingly clever ways of enabling the customers to pay UK postage charges and have it delivered into Ireland. Um, I'm broadly speaking uh, going to be ignoring international today because that would just take us off. That's a whole other podcast, and I think it's more important to stick to kind of the core lessons. Um, but but there was quite a bit going on about the delivery piece there. So you know, I'm not going to tell you much more about that Irish piece, although I mention it in passing and we talk about locker solutions. I'm also, as I said earlier, leaving the Christmas lessons to the end. So what were the key delivery lessons learnt from the delivery conference? I'm going to start at the end of the day because that's just the obvious place to start, which is the day ended with the Metapack Delivery Excellence Awards. An interesting uh, way of running it, as all of the audience had their own keypads to vote on. I think looking at the res- looking at the winners, the right person won each time, but I would say that was a bit of a gamble on behalf of the organisers, given that it was, I think, think at least a third of the audience weren't in the room at that time, despite the fact it was kind of all hands on deck um, part of the conference stream um, and a lot of them would I think would rather have been in the bar which I think opened about 20 minutes before the awards voting started and we only had a one-line explanation given to us by the by um, the compare of why the, each of these companies made the shortlist saying that however I do think that the right people won or certainly very worthy winners were selected in, in each of the categories so here are the retailers the retail winners. Um, so if you, these are good people to take a look at if you want to, you know, find out what the best practice is and who's really pushing it. Um, don't feel though that you need that these these are benchmarks for you. They are not people you need to measure up to, because they are global world leaders turning over millions and in one case billions of pounds a year. You're not going to match them. Best cross-border delivery offering was won by ASOS. Uh, best consumer experience in delivery was won by M&S. Best use of tech in delivery was John Lewis. Carrier awards then. Um, DPD won both best provider of outstanding service and best contribution to delivery innovation. Um, and if anyone from DPD's listening to this I have to say um, Ben who works out of the St Austell depot in Cornwall is awesome and deserves a massive pat on the back also in the uh, in the carry award section was uh, the the award for best cross-border delivery initiative which was won by Hermes who I think now deliver to pretty much every country in the world so they're certainly worth worth taking a look at if you're looking to go into that international delivery space moving on from the awards then the general consensus across everyone who was speaking, was that good delivery is absolutely critical to the customer service element and getting the customers to love and trust you, which of course is what we want. In fact, one stat that was read out, and I can't attribute this one, I'm sorry, was that 20, sorry, 70% of customers say that good a good delivery experience will keep them loyal to your brand, to your business. So, Certainly, delivery, very important in the overall profitability and sustainability of your business. So here's now is the actual delivery option lessons learned. First up, click and collect. This was probably the key story of the conference. If you've got a large number of stores, it's very successful for those who have a store footprint. House of Fraser, who have only 60 stores across the UK, Delivery to store, and you know, so the click and collect model makes up 35% of their online sales. River Island, um, one third of their orders are click and collect. So it's very, very popular with consumers, but it causes lots of in-store customer service issues. 
that's not massively relevant to those of you listening. So I'm going to shift shift on to um, to the click and collect options for if you don't have stores. And there's vast, vast options here now. I mean, but bear in mind that the locker suppliers were suggesting to me that they expect about 3% of your parcel, parcel volume to come in their direction. So it's not necessarily something you're going to be able to access on your own because you're not going to have the volume to do it. Um, it's also probably not something that's yet worth accessing because if only 3% of your customers are likely to want it, there's probably better things you could be doing than trying to look after that 3%. The other reason I'd say probably don't don't make an effort to build these relationships yourself right now is that there are just so many different models. There seems to be an awful lot of development going on in this space, a lot of new services being launched. So I'd hold off for, you know, six months, 12 months and wait to see what's available before diving diving in and building it into your systems. And I said, don't look at this on your own, because, of course, if you're, you know, if you go into a warehouse or you go into a courier who are who open up those options for you because someone's still got to get the parcel to the lockers, then it may be something that's quite easy for you to switch on, in which case, why not go for it, see how the customers react and see how it helps. Conflicting messages from me there, I know, but uh, but I guess don't try and re- negotiate it on your own. But if it's an easy turn on, then then give it a go. So I said about there being many, many different models. I'm not sure anyone's yet nailed the right solution here. They Not only are they offering different options, each of them is selling it in a different way. So um, we had uh, Doddle, were there who of course have manned locations at big transport hubs so they're at Paddington station etc and their their kind of key thing is it's a manned place so you can go and speak to a human not have to just key and code on a to a to a system we had uh, I can't remember who it was but someone was telling me about the fact they're just about to build some automated kind of mega warehouses for picking up where the parcels kind of get sent down a chute into the building and the building allocates them and then you come along and type in your code and then the building delivers the right parcel to you which sounds quite impressive um of course then there was volvo doing a session which i missed but i know they were talking about delivering to the boot of your car so there's there's all kinds of different methods going on here there were also um two new ones being talked about which is uh, i only saw part of the presentation but it certainly seems that asda are opening up their lockers or their in-store collection service to others um and there's a brand new service being launched at the show. I think they were launching at the show called Pass My Parcel, which has been launched by Smith News, who are a big newspaper distribution network in the UK. And they're using that distribution network to enable collection from news agents, basically anywhere selling magazines and newspapers. And they, it looks like they're going to be able to offer a order. If the customer orders by 11.45, then they can pick up after 6pm or something in the the news agents in some areas, which sounds quite impressive. I haven't had a chance to talk to them about that one yet. But that was, you know, it, it's busy and evolving. And then in the, this is where I'm going to mention the Irish guys again. They're kind of leading a model, which reading between the lines, I think some of the more UK-based locker people are working on, which is they're trying to own the person coming to the locker to pick up. So the customer becomes someone who will use their lockers exclusively or regularly by you know through logins and apps and all this kind of thing and the Irish guys one of them has a a system whereby Irish consumers subscribe to their system and get given an address in 
Belfast, so Northern Ireland, so part of the UK, um, which means they can order goods to have them delivered in the UK, thus make the most of free PMP, UK offers, etc. And then those will be delivered to them in Ireland just for part of this monthly subscription. Really interesting model. Um, so there's a lot going on in that space, let's put it that way, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't suggest most of the, the listenership we've got here should be diving in to get it, get to grips with that right now, because it's only going to be about 3% of your, of your orders that are going to want to use that. So standard delivery, let's go back to the basics. Some really interesting stats on this. So first off, um, one of the th- key things which Metapack does, and in my opinion should do, given their system processes up to 3 million parcels a day, is they aggregate that data to give the industry some stats, which is how Patrick Wall, the CEO, opened up the whole conference. And for me, the most interesting stat of all of that was that 70% of all the parcels that went through their system were for standard delivery. Your basic bog standard, standard delivery, not premium options. Um, that was backed up by Wiggle, who said 70 to 80% of their orders are standard delivery. So standard delivery is still by far and away the delivery method of choice of the average British consumer. That means it's got to be robust. It's got to be reliable. Um, and then once you've got that working properly, you can start looking at the innovation. I'd like to claim that I said that first, but it was Dan Corrigan of Wiggle what said it. So that's a really big takeaway, I think, is 70, 80% of the average UK population just want standard delivery. So make sure you've got that bulletproof working really well before you start looking at innovative options. Other options and flexibility seem to be massively important, but God, so crazy and different. So just here's some examples of what what people were up to. Um, By next day, uh, it was getting a lot more popular. So Carol Woodhead, the CEO of Hermes, stated that in December, their overall volume was up 25%, but next day was up 50%. So it's gaining in popularity. Um, Sunday is now, this is according to Metapack, is now pretty much looking like a normal day in terms of parcel volume. So Sunday delivery options, that's something you may want to start looking at with your couriers. Andy from House of Fraser said that about 20% of offices are now banning parcel deliveries for for personal use. So there's got to be some other way for people to get hold of that without having to sit sit in at home. They can't just have it delivered to the office. River Island's Helen Colcolloch, and apologies, Helen, if I've mispronounced your surname, said that for them, only 60% of orders placed at River Island go to the person's home. However, Royal Mail survey, which we'll talk more about later, said that 80% of consumers want the parcels delivered to their own home. You see there's lots and lots of stuff going on in the delivery option space here. Um, you, Then we kind of came down to kind of more, more sensible um, points of view, which is, for example, Boohoo's Tony Burley was saying that um, you, you have to work out what your customer wants before you work out what other options you're going to offer. So for them, speed used to be the number one, but their customers are now getting really excited about being able to choose the day the delivery arrives. Interesting and a total side point to this delivery discussion. Um, Boohoo are now now seem to be using WhatsApp for customer service based on some comments he made. Crazy. Um, 
The problem with all these other options and everything you could put in place is it can get a bit crazy. House of Fraser have eight different premium delivery options. You don't want to go there. You, What you guys want to be doing is to simplify, focus on what matters, get that standard delivery right, and then work out what the customer wants. In a similar vein, uh, M&S's, so Marks and Spencer's David Wormsley, their head of M&S.com, he recommended a delivery strategy should be first and foremost convenient for the customer and that secondly, you must communicate well and often. So um, he, felt, he thought that in-day messaging was very important. They now send all their, you're getting a delivery today, emails at 5am in the morning both so that it arrives on the right day and so as it's top of the inbox when the person logs in, they are taking their thought processes that far. Um, But he did say not to be too clever. So in 2014, they tried to build a system, or they built and put live, a system that would predict when someone wasn't going to get their parcel for Christmas and pre-warn them about it. So that meant that a thousand, several, sorry, several thousand hamper customers were told it wouldn't arrive before Christmas and then it did which causes all kinds of customer service issues. So in 2015, they changed their dealing with with failed uh, Christmas deliveries to be bespoke communications after the event. So they started doing that on Boxing Day, apologising individually to the people affected. So those are just some interesting pieces he was talking about from the customer service element of it. So those were kind of the the hard and fast delivery pieces without getting too much into, into the Christmas piece. To summarise that for the smaller retailer then, delivery hasn't changed a great deal, the fundamentals of it. You need to deliver on your promise and try to wow the customer a little. So four points for you. Number one, keep it simple. Focus on getting what you do offer perfect. That's your standard delivery options. Don't get distracted by all those crazy options. Just focus on what the customer wants. Number two, Get your standard delivery working really well and reliably. Oops, mentioned that in number one. Oh, well. Uh, Number three, if you have physical stores, do offer click and collect. Even if you've only got the one store, try and offer click and collect, even if it's a fairly basic piece of tech. Number four, find a courier or fulfillment team who can take all your parcels and open up a locker system at the same time. So those courier discussions, we'll talk about a bit more about that when we come to the final summary, is, um, is really important. Now, before we get on to the next section, um, I was contacted by Liam Jennings from regalgentleman.com on Twitter whilst I was at the conference because he couldn't get there. And he wanted me to see if I could answer a question for him, uh, which was, we are all about delivering the best customer experience. So I was very interested in that. I'd be interested to find out about improving the experience with delivery for a small business when expectations are so high in terms of speed and cost from the consumer. Well, Liam, The second bit about delivery, hopefully what I've just run through is going to sort that bit out for you. So basically get your standard method great and then build from that um, and listen into to the following section on Christmas because I know you're going to find that bit interesting as well. On the customer experience side though, um, how to do that delivery in a small business setting, you're going to love the next section of of this show um, and I'll sum up all of that for you and everybody else at the end. Oh, and uh, we've got a bonus series launching this week. More about that right at the very end of this podcast. Um, And I know you're going to find that useful on that customer experience side as well. And it goes live on Thursday. So the non-delivery lessons are, well, there was a ton about the customer and CX, which stands for customer experience and customer experience itself. 
It's going to make much more sense if I run through this speaker by speaker rather than trying to collate it all into themes. So here goes, starting off with Alpha Debihi, who's Vice President of Customer Experience at Forrester. Um, apologies if I pronounce that appallingly. Um, I'll put the correct spelling in the transcript for anyone who wants to get in touch with him. For those who don't know, Forrester is a global research agency who produce some great stats about internet usage, consumer behaviour and those kind of areas. Um, quite expensive last time I looked to get hold of their report, so it's always good. If you see someone from Forrester on the board of a bill of a conference talking about a subject you like, it's always good to go along and get some info for free. He was talking all about customer experience, which he defined as how customers perceive their interactions with your organisation. Now, bear in mind here, we're talking customer perception, which is what they think, not what they do. So you've got to ask them about this. Um, and your organisation, not just the front line, it's the whole business, every element of it from finance through to um, whoever's on the end of the phone. He ID'd uh, customer experience having three E's, which you build up by step by step. I've got a picture of the slide he was using, so that will be in the transcript so you can see the visual of this. But essentially, first off, you have to go for the E of effectiveness, which means it's all about the quality. Um, then you build it up to E's. And once you've got effectiveness and ease together, that's that combines to be usability. And then the third E is emotion which together with the other two creates the experience. And it's the experience that's going to create that emotional connection. He illustrated this with the Maya Angelou quote, which might make a bit, may help it make a bit more sense, which is, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Therefore, to start on your customer focus shift, what you need to do is to work out what emotion you want to create in your customers and then find out what they perceive as the emotion you elicit in them right now, and then take this, um, take that to to build the the um, the emotional impact you want to get from your customers. This focus on the customer's perception being all really flows through the rest of the speakers I'm going to run through in this section. So we've got John Lewis's Paul Kobe, who's their IT director. There wasn't a great deal about e-commerce um, in the John Lewis bit, uh, but what they did share was that the, the e-commerce business is now 40% of the total turnover of John Lewis. And he they've been kind of on a bit of a journey. And what they've learnt with all these different channels they're trying to get together, they he, he outlined five lessons that they've learned. Number one is that omni-channel must be frictionless. Number two was that a pretty front end is pointless if the back end doesn't deliver. Oh, how true is that? Uh, number three, you have to manage the business as one entity, not separate silos, because that's not how the customer sees it, which really fits back into that omnichannel must be frictionless bit in my mind. Number four, digitally driven innovation matters. Um, so, for example, because of their size and the fact that they need to stay really cutting edge, um, they invest a lot of money in a whole J-Labs program, which is kind of a, a hot house for new startup tech businesses and stuff. Number five, Christmas is critical. So I think you should really focus on the first three of those because five is obvious and four is not something the smaller business should be too focused on. 
But what he said after that, he said those are the five lessons they've learned. But what they've the, the real learning from the journey that John Lewis has been on, been on is that what's important doesn't change. It still all comes down to service and trust. So giving your customers great service and building their trust. Pretty straightforward, really. Um, and I think it's great when you see such large retailers really hammering home that point. Next up, we had Andy Harding of House of Fraser, and he's their chief customer officer. They've been on a two, three year journey to realign the business around the customer. Um, And he talked quite a lot about that, about how systems and data are enablers to creativity and innovation. That innovation is essential because the customers are becoming demanding much faster than we naturally innovate. How true is that? And that's a big lesson for, I think that's going to be a big lesson for 2016 Christmas, which we'll talk about later. Um, And that their their kind of mantra is customer-centric innovation and failing fast. So test, 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 which is something we're talking about a lot here. They said that, you know, probably the most difficult part of the journey was getting the human staff, team member side of it sorted. And that meant a mindset shift from thinking about revenue by channel and being channel centric to thinking revenue by customer and being customer centric. And obviously they, you know, combined teams, move people around, um, did a lot of work on that, I think. But really it was about and, and fitting in with that, he said, was understanding that each channel adds value in different ways. And by channels, he was meaning their apps, their website, mobile users, buy and collect, the shops and so on and so forth. He had a list about nine or ten of them up there. So it's kind of any way the customer can interact with you, any touch point. And, you know, he said that he sees key delivery as a key differentiator in the marketplace. So River Islands, Helen Colclough, their e-commerce development manager, um, her presentation was more kind of about stats than customer, really, but some interesting ones. So here goes. 78% of their traffic is mobile. Crazy. Um, And that the conversion rate on the mobile is starting to catch up to desktop. So the big kind of takeaway there is that everyone finds conversion rates on mobile are below conversion rates on desktop. So don't worry if your mobile conversion rates are lower than your desktop conversion rates. But for them, desktop remains their most important converter and is especially important around lunchtime traffic. So it's the way the customer shopping with them. She also said that apps are 25% of their traffic. That's mobile apps, iPad apps, etc. Android is growing at 50% year on year and speeding up its growth rate. So don't ignore Android. This point of view was, was um, or the, the, the importance of apps was backed by ASOS, who said 44% of their orders are via their app. Um, and Helen was saying that she believes apps are really important because customers trust them more than the web. Um, it's like your banking app. It's on your phone. It's a very intimate connection and it changes the way the customers shop, which is causing them some issues because people will just, you know, buy the shoes Half an hour later, they'll buy the dress and half an hour later, they'll buy something else, which is causing them some some, um, back-end issues. M&S, so Marks and Spencer's David Wormsley, who's the director of M&S.com. It was was kind of cool. He he admitted, admitted, no, he kind of started off by saying something which I, I talk a lot about, which is that 
there's so much you could do. The difficult thing is deciding what not to do and what to focus on, which is exactly what he started with. And this was his was a really nice following on from the Internet Retailing 2015 session with Patrick Bouquet Chavan, who was talking about the marketing trifecta. Some of you may remember that. If you don't, it's well worth a listen. So go back to podcast 20. David was explaining that he feels that to build customer experience, it needs to be relevant, inspiring and effortless. Effortless, I think, sounds quite um, quite of a tough nut to crack. And that the key to achieving all of that is to be consistent. He really hammered home this point of being consistent um, across everything you do with a customer. So do what you say you're going to do and then have a consistent message going through everything. One of the to give you a bit of an example, one of the key ways they've been working on making their content and conversations more relevant is that they've identified all the core customer journeys. And what he meant by that was the reasons customers are coming to them. So I need a new outfit for work. Tonight's an important night. We deserve something nice for dinner. I'm doing a dinner party on Saturday. What am I going to cook? Those kind of reasons for customers to come to MS.com. And then every single piece of content they create has to relate to one of those journeys. I can't remember if they said there were hundreds or there were thousands. I think it was hundreds. Um, and that this is fundamental. And if they don't, if the content doesn't fit with one of those, then it doesn't happen, which seems like such a, an intuitive way to manage your content. So that might be worth a look if you're looking at expanding your content or you've got a bit of writer's blog. Finally, we have ASOS's Nick Beaton, who's their chief executive. ASOS is now huge. Um, it's 15 years old. They have, just give, This is just to give you guys some perspective on this. They now have 2,000 people in head office and 3,000 people in the warehouse. Crazy numbers. Last year, they turned over 1.2 billion and made 48 million in profit. They add 4,000 lines each week and have 80,000 lines in stock at any one time. Bear in mind that those numbers don't take into account size or colour. All of this they've built by focusing on what the customer wants and delivering it. I'm going to run through what he shared of their headline strategy and you'll see just how every single thing they do is focused back on that, what the customer wants and how they're going to deliver it. So their mission is to be the world's number one fashion destination for 20-somethings. How clear is that customer-wise? There are four pillars to that strategy. Great fashion at a great price. Be awesome on mobile. Provide engaging content and experiences and best in class service. Now, all four of those are utterly related to delivering for the customer. And to achieve it, he said they have two fundamental touchstones, which uh, he said they've had, you know, throughout those 15 years. The first is follow the customer, see what they want and then build it which you could have predicted that one. The second one was the ASOS DNA, which is how he kind of referred to their brand, their feel. And he said that the staff are customers, the business is a little restless and claims that it still feels like a startup. I have no idea how you achieve that with 2,000 staff. Um, and that kind of one of their, or a quote he gave about it and the fun they have there and the way they run the business is that if you're not dropping a few balls, you're not moving fast enough. My mind boggles with running a business like that. Um, so some examples of how they do that is they stock um, the best edit of brands other than the ASOS brand because they sell their, their own product, obviously, but they sell other other brands because the average person's favourite brand only makes up 20% of their wardrobe. So they want to be able to buy more brands than just the ASOS brand. 
Also, they use content to be useful, relevant and make it feel like your best friend is telling you to try it on. The three key focus of this that he ran through is ASOS.likes, which he described as BuzzFeed meets Grazia. So these are things for you to go and check out and see how they're communicating with their customers with content. The second one was ASOS Insiders, which is kind of like a meet the team, but much more interactive. And hashtag as seen on me, which I, th- I got the impression is pretty much recently launched. And that's to encourage customers to share photos of them with in product they bought from ASOS. And again, he reiterated that delivery has a really big role to play in that. So, right, let's summarise the the non-delivery feedback and takeaways for you. So think about the emotion you want them to feel and build that into every area of what you do. Listen to your customers. If you're focused on content, I'd give that M&S method a go could help relieve some writer's block and on the apps front yes they are powerful but it's so easy to get it wrong Uh, we will be covering apps in a lot more detail in q3 so that's what august september and july um to help you understand the role of apps in retaining your customers and we'll be covering that in a lot more detail then so um, I'm aware we've already gone on for about 40 minutes. There's a chance this one might be my first hour long podcast at this rate, but it's great content. I hope you're enjoying it. So I'm going to I'm going to plod on um, the Christmas 2015 feedback then, including Black Friday. So we are nearing the end, people. We are getting there. Um, And don't worry about trying to remember all this for nearer the time. I've made a note of it all and I will be bringing you more tips and tricks about Christmas 2016, including Black Friday, nearer the time. But something you do need to do is to start thinking about some of this now and trying to work out what it is your customer wants and putting those career relationships in place. But I'll run through more of that when we get to the end of this section. So I'm going to start with the growth stats. Then we're going to look at the quality of service in 2015 and how it was achieved. And then I'm going to wrap up with that summary of what you need to take from this. So growth. Metapack stats um, had Cyber Week up 45% year on year. M&S had Black Friday up 40% year on year. And Amazon claimed Black Friday was up 18% year on year. So there's still huge impact of Cyber Week. John Lewis said, saw that the majority of their growth happened in evening and weekend purchases. That's the online side of things. Um, Royal Mail survey about Black Friday. I've put a scan, a whole scan of this into the transcript. But just some interesting stats for you. The average spend of a consumer in the UK on Black Friday was £191. 52% of those the Royal Mail surveyed spent more this year than they more in 2015 than they did in 2014, rather. Um, 45% actually put off purchases until Black Friday came along. That's a scary stat, which is borne out by the patterns of sales that people were talking about at the conference. The categories that were bought, this is not part of growth, but it's so interesting. I'm sharing it with you. Um, 33% of the people surveyed had bought clothes over Black Friday. 20% had bought computer games or DVDs. 90% had bought toys. And 18% had bought computer devices. It's useful because... It help should help you work out how much attention you need to play, play, paying even to Black Friday in 2016. Let's press on into quality of service, which I think was the the biggest change from 2014. And another listener on the back of what we you know what went on in 2014 has given me a question to answer whilst at the conference. 
So listen up, Rebecca from Turtle Mat. Um, this bit should answer your question. 2015 uh, was much, much better than 2014 in terms of quality of service. Metapack also produce a carrier heat map, which identifies the level of first delivery success for the key couriers all over the UK. In 2014, it was pretty much red in, in the Christmas period. But in 2015, it was almost entirely green, which is a massive, massive change, like a full turnaround. Um, I only managed to get a photo of the green one and I've put that in the transcript for you. Um, just imagine it red for 2014 and you'll see the difference. Um, but it's an in, it's interesting as and of itself. So it'll give you an idea of what, what the data is all about. So quality of service was huge, 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 huge improvement on 2014. So more important than looking at that is how this was achieved. I think Dick Steed from Yodel summed it up quite well by saying, no matter what we say today, as in at the conference, we have to remember that the most important thing is that the customer is well served, which sums it up nicely. But you want more detail than that, I'm sure. So how was this massive turnaround in customer service achieved? The real step change that I believe from you know listening to everybody was the planning and forecasting side of things. Um, the Hermes Carol um, said that this was the number one reason for 2015 being better, that everyone was working together, planning, keeping everybody in the loop on what parcel volumes were likely to be and throttling the marketing activity in order to make the order profile match the capacity, which is a crazy, you know, a real move move forwards I think um, and Roger Morris from Royal Mail echoed that as well so they, they were working with a lot of retailers to use promotions to flatten the demand curves off and to try and even things out a bit. Um, the level of planning and forecasting the big guys were doing, M&S for peak had take, taken the planning and forecasting down to skew level per hour and they have a command centre that runs everything and that's all year round but sucks in more bits and pieces it gets close to Christmas the command centre was in charge of their marketing so emails got throttled depending on the capacity at their warehouse their call centre and with the couriers which is crazy really I mean I think that's a big step change in e-commerce from what I've heard of people doing before is to to really be not just building ever-ending or expecting ever-ending capacity to deal with peaks but to actively be trying to to flatten those peaks out in order to create a better customer service experience and to make sure that nothing gets overloaded. Hand in hand with that really was um, a lot of chat about communicating the promise to the customer in a better way and managing those customer expectations. So Lana Jackson at New Look said that um, in advance, they'd warned customers that they would be tweaking their delivery options and the cutoff times over Christmas to manage demand. So they actually told customers they were going to be doing this and they had the ability to pretty much from what I could work out the flick, flick of a switch to change the offering to the customer based on the predictive volumes that were coming in. So if that courier was full on that service offering, they'd, they'd move the, they'd, they'd bring the cutoff time earlier so they wouldn't get any more orders via that and they'd fill up a, a courier option where there was space. Um, as Dick Steed at Yodel pointed out, um, if the customer knows what's going on and the customer's okay, then you can focus on the core delivery rather than be running around trying to fix problems, which is you know where we all want to be really, isn't it? Um, 
And according to the Royal, that Royal Mail survey, again, 65% of customers want to be able to track their parcels. They really do want that clear communication and to be, to some extent, in control. Probably the most interesting angle that anybody took on this planning and forecasting piece was Yodel, who treated the forecasts that the retailers gave them as contracted volumes. So if you said, um, on Monday, I'll have 100 parcels for you, then Yodel were, well, you're going to send us 100 parcels and we'll give you a 10% tolerance, but if you, which would take you up to 110. But if you give me 111, we're going to refuse to take one of those parcels, roughly speaking. Um, the compare actually asked um, Dick Steed outright how retailers reacted to this idea. And he said that, yes, they all thought it was playing hardball. But the aim was to control when they could accept the volume and that to be successful, both sides needed to work together. And to be fair, Yodel did a lot better than last year. Um, and in, in the peak weeks, they got their highest customer satisfaction scores of the year. So it clearly did work. Um, the rest of the of the couriers all seem to be going with the carrot approach of trying to work work with and educate retailers to try and flatten out those peaks. Whereas Yodel, I certainly reading between the lines, I think they're going to be sticking to this stick method again next year and saying, well, that's what you said you've got. We're not taking more. We can't take more. That would be my my perception on that one. Um, but generally, everyone seemed all the couriers seem to have had very good customer satisfaction levels. This whole um, growth and the good customer service was achieved also through huge investment by the couriers. I mean, Hermes stated that they'd invested 15 million um, to make sure they were able to cope with the volumes. And a lot of the others were suggesting they'd invested to similar levels. That had a bit of an impact on profitability. So the the, uh, the couriers were asked how much profit they made over the, the peak period. Yodel broke even, um, partly because they'd staffed up early in order to uh, to have trained staff when we hit peak. But because the week before Black Friday, everything dropped off so much, they literally had people sat without anything to do, uh, which destroyed their profit margin for the for the period. Hermes, um, if you ignore the investments they made, made a small profit, as did Royal Mail. And certainly the message from the couriers was, we want to deliver great customer service, but we need that relationship. Um, we need to be working with the retailers and we need the the um, the demand for parcels through the system to be a lot more flat and even than it has been in the past. So more throttling, more marketing to control um, how fast the orders come through. Predictions from the people at the conference. Volumes. Everyone generally thinks that 2016 will be bigger. However, the bigger retailers assume they'll have some shift to click and collect. So the actual volumes going through the courier network may reduce. Everyone's planning on using marketing promotions to even out that demand to help with site volumes, warehouse volumes, phones volumes, customer service volumes and the couriers. And there was also some thoughts raised that the Paris attacks in 2015 shifted some orders from high street to online and therefore the growth in 2016 might not go as high as we think as people go back to their more normal process of buying on the high street. So massive curveball to throw into the stat predictions there. Um, Other predictions outside of volumes were that 
the customers saw such a massive improvement in customer service between 14 and 15 that we're going to have to step up in a big way again. Um, planning is going to be essential. That was a big prediction. And Andy Harding of House of Fraser made two very good diary-based points that you should all be paying attention to. Number one, Black Friday will be tougher because it's on the 25th of November, which causes payday issues. And number two, Christmas is on a Sunday, which means customers are going to order really, really late. Um, So there's going to be, he predicts there's going to be a bit of a clamour for premium services at the end. And the, the retailers who win will be those who hold their nerve and don't fall to discounting to shift stock too early in the season. Right then, my final smaller retailer summary all about those 2016 delivery success and what you need to do. Fundamentally, at Christmas, the customers are going to expect an even better service than they got in 2015. So how are you going to work on that throughout the year to make sure you're delivering it when you get to peak? And of course, the sooner you start working on this, the sooner all that customer service improves and your business grows. Number one, make your standard delivery great. It's going to be somewhere between 70 and 80% on average, of your orders are going to go through that. So you want to make sure it works really well. Secondly, find out what your customer wants. Find out what delivery services they want and then build those into your mix as and when you can. Number three, plan, plan, plan. Make sure you've got the right couriers. This is a good time to revisit the market. There's been an awful lot of development. Do that sooner rather than later because the couriers don't make much money at peak, so they want you for the whole year. So you want to get in early. And And the other reason you want to get in early is to build the relationship, because you need to build a great relationship with your couriers. Go and meet them. Find compromises that work for you both, e.g. the busiest time in any parcel depot is between 6pm and 9pm. Can you get your parcels there at a different time? They'll be interested if you can. And make sure you forecast well for peak. Start maybe, if you've never done it before, start practicing it now and start honing how you do it. Right, Masterplan World, I've put a top line summary on the show notes page for you, which you can find at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 36, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box to find it. There you can also get your hands on a full transcript of this podcast as well, because I know there's been an awful lot to take in. In other news, this week also sees the launch of our second bonus series. This one is called Customer Attraction, and it's all about how to get customers to your website. Start building trust with them and get them to sign up to your emails. On Wednesday evening, we'll put marketing you can use to get the attention of your potential customers, catchy title I know, live. Then two more episodes will follow over the next two weeks. Customer first content marketing and 20 ways to increase your email signups. I've already recorded all three of them and I know you're going to find the content really useful. So keep your ears peeled for those over the next few weeks. For now though, have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.